Good evening. Tonight on the Interleague Podcast, we bring a reading to the show from the book of Philosophical Differences. One team has solidified that they have none, the other torn in philosophical differences. The front office, the coach on two different pages. Find out now on this episode of the Interleague. Dun, dun, dun. What's up, Swags? I see how I was practicing the word philosophical. <laughs> you did practice it quite a bit, and you nailed it. Got it. Yeah. You didn't say was making sure philosophical. <laughs> Philosophical raptor here. Philosophical raptor. Um, yeah, crazy times. Uh, you know, we we sat down with the front offices for some tea and coffee, yep. and they let us know, hey, record Tuesday, you'll have yep. some content. And uh, so we made the, the decision to push the episode a day, yep. uh, tr- you know, trust in, in, in Brydog and, uh, yep. yeah, they, Brydog. They, they delivered for us. So yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, like how it played out. If I, if I were more of a betting man, I would have bet the opposite that Boone was not back as manager of the Yankees. And that Schilt would be back his manager of the Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, especially given that what? After they I think it was like shortly after the wild card game, or maybe it was like right before. I don't I don't know, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I feel like we talked about it on here one episode that they had made the comment that they intend to retain the entire coaching staff for twenty twenty two. Yeah, and we were talking about that, like that's surprising. And that was a friend Alberts. of the show, friend of the show, Derek Gould tweeted yeah. that out. Yeah, uh, and we we're like, oh man, that's an interesting move with you know the way Alberts went about things, and you know I guess that they whatever whatever block was there, I guess they felt got removed with a relatively strong September. Well. At face like at face value, a relatively strong September. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit outside of that, like looking at things a little bit more. And really, it was like that 17 game win streak that really was like the only saving grace for September. Um, I guess the argument could be made that like the last series against the Cubs really didn't matter, so losing that series is kind of meh. Um, but outside of the 17 game win streak, I mean, the Cardinals went six and seven in September. So that's not great, you know, below 500. Um, but having, you know, a sophomore player, you know, basically just like a rookie plus and Tommy Edmond making a comment pretty early on in the season that he, he felt the issue was that the Cardinals weren't prepared from an offensive standpoint. I mean, that's 100%, my opinion, at least like 90% on your hitting coach. You know, maybe yeah. you can put a little blame on the, on the manager as like he should be making sure like he's supposed to hold the hitting coach accountable. So if Schilt isn't holding him accountable and Alberts isn't doing his job, kind of blame on both, but mainly on Alberts. Um, but I think at the very least, this guy doesn't have the respect of the team if someone like Tommy Edmond, who was happy to have a spot day in and day out, um, 
you know, openly making comments like that to the public. Like, it's not even like it was overheard on or like he tweeted out when he was mad or whatever. Like, he said it with microphones in his face. Um, and for him to feel comfortable saying that probably means that the rest of the team at least echoed that. Sentiment. Right, they've talked yeah. about it. Like, that's been a conversation somewhere yeah. in some room. Yeah. Like, it it wasn't like he brought it up and everybody was like, you're crazy, man. Like, I think it's just the you thing. Like, we we prepare pretty hard. Like, Alberts does a great job. Um, so it's just, it's, it's weird to me. Um, I know since the firing, it, like, there's been rumor that, like, at times in the season, I think DeWitt even, or not DeWitt, Mosellock even said, that they had thought about making changes during the season. Um, and I, like, he didn't name names, but my assumption when reading that was that it would have been Alberts. But now yeah. with this decision, it feels like it it wasn't. So, I, like, and I, I don't know if we'll ever know what the, uh, the hot button, you know, quote-unquote philosophical differences were. Well, um, no, in some, in some memoir... And like Mike Schilt, or like when he wins it with the uh, San Diego Padres, and he'll be like, you know what? Fuck you, Mosellock. You're yeah. the one with differences. I'll and be maybe he'll say something, but I doubt it. I'll be real interested to see like what happens with like whoever the new manager is, like decisions that get made, um, how players seem to react. Because like the only thing I can think of, um, as I think you and I have kind of talked about it outside of recording, I've had a conversation with my brother about it. Um, that to me, I feel like the conversation went something along the lines of, you know, like, Hey, we're in the off season. Let's talk about my contract. You know, I, I gets up after 2022 and they're like, eh, let's hold off and wait to talk after this next season. And she'll probably didn't feel comfortable going in like under a one-year contract and it in that case he said something along the lines of like well yeah like i i really feel like if we're gonna win it all like we're we're one or two pieces away like we need uh we need to go after a shortstop and free agency and we need another starter like ideally like a top end starter it's really what we could use um something that would go along with wayno flaherty michaelis and hudson get me that top tier starter to be like a number two to Wayno or whatever. Um, or, you know, that can slot into the, to a one, two, three spot um, to make Michaelis and Hudson the four and five and get me a, um, a shortstop. And we can utilize Paul DeYoung as a DH. If it goes that route, if not, we'll find some other home for DeYoung. You know, maybe you get him some time at first and third and he can become like your, corner and field backup along with like Sosa being your middle infield backup kind of thing. Um, so along those lines and they were probably like, we're not going to add any pieces. Like this is the team that we can win with. Um, you know, we have, you know, we have all the pieces that we need in the farm system or, you know, we have this depth, yada, yada, yada. This is the route we're going to go. Um, maybe we add some depth pieces for you and that's about it. And shit was like, well, 
I can't, I'm not going to operate under a one-year contract that it's going to be results-driven if you're not going to be willing to put, like, the best team possible on the field to give me a chance to compete past where we were this, like, these last two seasons with, like, a first-round loss in the playoffs. And they're like, well, philosophically, we disagree, so you're going to have to go. <laughs> yeah, philosophically, we got the players on this team. Yeah. Like, look look at Tyler O'Neill. Like, Tyler O'Neill, he bats 280 now. You know, like, that's a guarantee next year. And, you know, Bader, I mean, Bader's coming out. He's a 260 hitter now. Elite defense. You got elite defense here, Mike. Like, what do you want? Like, you need guys to score runs? Like, you can do that. You just need to play defense, okay? 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 That's probably I imagine that's Mo. Okay? Okay? okay. <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what all they could have differences on other than it being something to do with the contract that I should want an extension. They weren't willing to, to give it to him. Um, but even then I feel like that alone isn't grounds to be fired. Um, and it, it very much seemed like this wasn't Schilt's decision. Like it wasn't a mutual parting of ways. It was the front office letting him know his services were no longer needed. That's kind of how Mosellock, uh positioned it. That's what, you know, how DeWitt made it seem. Um, Schilt being as choked up as he was in his interview seemed like this certainly wasn't the move for him. Like he's been a Cardinal guy through and through. Right. I think he probably never on, saw himself on another team ever. Yeah, I think he he planned on just you know, like was, when his job was done with the with the Cardinals, he'd be retiring from baseball some 10, 15, 20 years from now, whatever. You know, right. after he's competing to you know ha- have like the most wins in as a manager yeah. in franchise history and Yeah, he went in 2019 NL manager of the year. Yeah, like he got the changing of the guard, like he was going to get to usher in a lot of the young kids he taught in the minor leagues. Like he's getting to be on, he's going to be on the farewell tour for Wayno and Molina, which will be a season to remember for a lot of people. It's like, I can't imagine that Chilt was willing to walk away from this. Um, and even still like one year is better than no years. Like, I don't know anybody that would choose to just be fired. Um, the only alternative to that, like the only thing I could think of that would change that is if Schilt already knew that there was some other job opportunity available to him. Um, which I, I don't think anyone like, I I don't want to say that there's like, Oh, some, some shady under dealing or whatever. But if he felt like, Oh, I feel like I'm a strong candidate for the Padres job, you know, or something like that. And so he was willing to, you know, just have that be the hill that he died on. Um, I could also see a point where, like, maybe he went to bat for his coaching staff, and they were like, "Hey, we need, like, we need to get rid of Alberts. We need to do this or that, you know, whatever. Like, we want to see these changes." And he was like, "No, like, these are my guys. Like, we're in this together. We turned it around. Like, um, I have faith in them." And you know, so that that was like the hill he died on. Only thing I could think of. In, in terms of Schilt was on board with this. My assumption is that Schilt wasn't on board with it and he got let go. So it was either A, that he wanted a contract extension, like we talked about, which again, I don't think that that's... Sure, if you're not going to extend me, fine. This will be my last season. It'll be a statement. You know, like, I'm going to bet on myself, not I'm going to get fired. That seems foolish. Um, people have done dumb things. Schilt doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. 
So my assumption would be the philosophical differences are what the future of the team is going to be and how this team becomes a World Series contender annually. Um, and I, it, I couldn't imagine that Schilt would be like heated to the point where he would get fired if the front office had the stance of we're going to bring in free agent pieces that you need. Like we're going to spend in the free agency. We're going to get you a uh, Carlos Correa or uh, Trevor story or a Corey Seager. We're going to bring in a high end starter, you know, like a Marcus Stroman or Scherzer or a Robbie Ray. Like that, that's what we're going to do. You know, these are the pieces we're going to compete with. We're going to go out and get them for you. Um, I can't imagine shit would be like, no, I don't need Max Scherzer. I have Alex Reyes. He's going right. to be my fifth starter. You know, I right. don't... don't you guys know I'm moving him into the rotation next year. So I, so I don't think it's that. So I feel like it makes the most sense that Schilt wanted to add pieces and the front office responded with, we have Aviedo, we have Woodford, we have Reyes. You have options for your fifth starter. You have depth pieces if people get hurt. Um, if we if there's a universal DH it can be DeYoung and Sosa can be your starting shortstop. You have other youth down in the minors, you know, Gorman that can come up, that can play these other positions. Um you know, it's fine. You don't you don't need anything. The pieces are there. This is the team we're gonna move forward with. We brought back Adam, we brought back Yachty. Go out and win a championship. You know, and if you don't, you're we're not going to renew your contract anyway. We might bring in pool holes. And Schilt was probably like, I don't know that I want to hang my hat on the performance of three old ass veterans. Like not not that any of them performed, you know, poorly or sucked by any means. Like Wayno was a stud all year, but yeah. what's to say his you know forty year old arm holds up? What's to say he has the same success next year? You know, what's to say he doesn't revert back to where he was in like 2018 when everyone thought his career was done? Never know. You know, who knows? So, you know, or Molina, how much does he get done? How much time can he actually spend behind the plate? He dealt with a couple injuries, not necessarily age-related injuries, but he got banged up a little bit. Catchers tend to do that. Um but what was like the groin injury or whatever that he had that he was out for a little longer than expected. Yeah. And I I feel like he has a groin injury pretty much every year at this point in time. Yeah. So it's just like, all right, like where, where's it going to go? And offensively, he wasn't anything to write home about. Um, There's the intangibles that you can't really put a, put value to, Um, you know, you just kind of assume they're there. Uh, I don't know. I haven't I haven't looked so um I I have no data to back this up but I I don't know that pitchers perform significantly better or worse with Molina behind the plate versus Kisner um sure maybe guys stole more successfully on Kisner than they did Molina but I think part of that is also like you know who pitched um who was batting, like how were the runners being held on? Like there's a lot more to it than just 
who was behind the plate in terms of stolen bases. Um, so, so I I don't blame Schilt for not wanting to to hang his his the future of his career on those bodies, especially like the one piece they were talking about. I was like, we're interested in bringing Pujols back, and we want you to get him at bats. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like the crowd's gonna pay to see Pujols and. I don't know if you saw, but owning a baseball team is not net profitable. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, they'd find him at bats. I mean, because it's not like we have a glaring like DH on our team. Like, if pools, I well, I mean, pools could sell tickets and hit just as well as Paul DeYoung still, you know. So it could be, but like, is that like, is that what we are like as an organization? Are we just like a a team that is just glorified by you know, old players. And uh, we got to bring back old players, old coaches, you know, like, I, I don't know. Like, I just don't know if, if that can really be a Cardinal thing. Like I, it's, that's more of a show than a, like, are we putting together a winning team? And I just continuously find more and more reasons to like, not like our front office group um, through this whole decision. And I wasn't even like a, like Mike Schilt, like he's our man. If he can't do it, no one can type of guy. But I'm not positive. I'm like, he made such bad decisions. We should fire him. <laughs> no, especially with, with one year left. And again, yeah. it's not even like, what are you going to put it on the grounds of like, he hasn't won a world series. Like, sure. If that's, if that's the route you want to go. Um, but you know, Matheny also didn't win a World Series, and he took over a team that had just won a World Series. Yeah, and he was there a couple times, you know, like yeah. in the game. Um, you know, when when Schilt took over, the Cardinals hadn't been to the playoffs in what? They've, they've been three straight years now, right? All three full years under, or I guess if you want to call 2020 a full year, but... Yeah. All three years that Schilt was at the helm on opening right. day, the Cardinals went to the playoffs. And was it, because was it 2018 that he took over? Like, I forget, did Matheny leave like partway like... through 17 or partway through 18? I feel like we, we've looked this up like five times. 100%. Um, mm-mm. Uh, looks um, like... 2017 and he was the club's manager in 2018 after the dismissal of Mike Matheny. Yeah. Cause, uh, yeah. So, so he brought him over. up in 2017 and then he was already on the club in 2018. So he took over in 2018, first full season, 2019. Right. And I'm trying to see now I'm looking at, um, yeah. So, so 2018, the Carl did not make the playoffs. So they finished, 88 and 74 and they were 46 and 47 I think is what I read when Matheny got fired 47 and 46 when Matheny got fired um so I mean they played what they ended 14 games over 500 so they were 13 games over 500 after Schilt took over um And that was 
was at 93, so like 70 games, right? So 69 games, nice. Um, so <laughs> nice. they were so they were 13 games over 500 through those 69 games um, when Schultz took over, and then they made the playoffs in 2019, 2020, or 2020, 2020, uh, and then 2021. Um, so they, it's like they, they had results in my opinion, like they found success with him. They just didn't win a championship. And I think we were talking about it when it came out that, so now the Cardinals have had back to back manager hirings that, uh, they brought in their guy, like Cardinal Way, tied to the Cardinals. It's who this front office wanted to hire for the position, and they both resulted in being fired. Um, and that that's why like, it just it was so odd to me, you know, that it happened with Schilt. Like at least with Matheny, like he took over a team that won the World Series. They lost in the NLCS. They lost in the World Series. They lost in the NLCS. They lost in the Division Series. Those were his first four years. So it went to the playoffs. Then they didn't make the playoffs in 2016 or 2017. And they weren't looking great in 2018. They were playing 500 baseball. And it... Um, and it resulted in him being fired that year. But even in 2016 and 2017, when it was all Matheny what I think the Cardinals missed the playoffs by like a game in each of those years so it's not like they were getting blown out um yeah so 2016 they finished one game behind the Giants for the second wild card uh two games behind the um or sorry no one game behind both the Mets and the Giants so they were you know one game back from either team to at least have a uh, tiebreaker, you know, or be in the playoffs kind of thing. Uh, 2017, they finished four games out in the wild card uh, behind Colorado. Um, six games out of the division behind the Cubs. And I think 2016 is the same, like seven, six, seven games, something like that. Uh, sorry, no, I lied. 2016 is the year the Cubs had. A great regular season. I think they were the only team that won over 100 games, and the Cardinals finished 17 and a half games out of first. That was when the Cubs won the World Series. So, um, and then 2018, when he got fired, and Shield took over, Cardinals missed the playoffs by two and a half games. So, and I, I'm pretty sure that they also went on some miraculous run after he took over and then like that 38 or whatever games was left when he took over. Right. It was um, the, the 69 games was what was left when Schilt took over. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah that's right. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, but yeah, and they maybe were 13 it... games above 500 in yeah. those 69 games. So I, what that would be call like 35 would be 500. So they were like, 42 wins or so in that time frame, or I guess 41 easy enough. Yeah. Cause they were 47 and 46. So they went what 49 and are 41 and 28 
under Schilt, and that's it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, good enough to extend him. Right. And, like, reading articles from when I was trying to find some articles, like, when they hired him, like, KSDK even wrote, like, Mike, or not Mike Matheny, John Mozeliak doesn't make decisions for the short term. The hiring of Mike Schilt was, you know, in the books for a long time and his organization. And this is the next five to ten years of the organization. You know, this is like the things we thought about when they hired Mike Schilt because there was plenty of other people's name on the plate. Right. You know, um, it, it's just so weird. Yeah. And and so so 2018, that record over those 61 over those 69 games it would have been like the it was the equivalent like pace of winning 96 games over the course of an entire year which would have tied for the best record in the NL and then made the playoffs ran into the buzzsaw that was Washington in 2019 granted the offense disappeared but the pitching staff that they faced I mean it only went four games three of those games were started by uh, Corbin, Strasburg, and Scherzer, who shut down a lot of good teams, and that's why the Nationals won a World Series in 2019. Um, so, can't be too mad about that. 2020, you had the shortened season. It was kind of weird. Um, they would have made the playoffs outright. Well, I, I guess we don't technically know if they would have made the playoffs in a normal sense. If they wouldn't, if it were a normal sense they would have had to play the two games they didn't play and maybe Cincinnati catches them and they have a tiebreaker for the last wild card spot but under the circumstances they made it in as a 5 seed so they were middle of the pack playing against a really good San Diego team and they granted their pitching staff was pretty decimated at the end of the year but you took them to three games in a three game series and you know it was competitive you know, for the most part, like yeah, you, you held your own. I think they were like one of a few teams in that opening round that actually took it to three games. Um, I think it was like St. Louis and San Diego and like the Oakland and White Sox were like the only two series that went three games. Everyone else is two and done. Um, and then this year you played, you know, the team that has, I think now the most wins this season um, cause what they were, they were one game behind San Francisco in the regular season. They won the wild card. So I think they were both at one Oh seven and then, yeah. And then San Francisco or San Francisco won two games, LA won three. So the Dodgers currently have the most wins of any team regular season and postseason combined for this season. And you lost to them on a walk off in a one game wild card with arguably one of the best pitchers in the NL being on the mound for them. Um, so it's a very tough win and they made it interesting and held their own and hung in there. I mean, like if that were game five or, you know, of a division series or game seven of the LCS and the Cardinals lose that game, I don't think anyone's mad about it. You know, it was that it was like the one game wild card that so it's like you, you weren't even really in the playoffs. I mean, at least they played yep. for nine innings. The Yankees weren't really in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so that's kind of where I'm at, too. Like, so if the Cardinals were just like laid down and died in that game, kind of like the Yankees did, 
I could maybe see the maybe see the coach firing, but like this team wasn't a 17 game in a row winner at all, all season until they won. It's going to sound dumb, but until they won the 17 games right at the end of the season, we talked about it a couple of podcasts ago. They stole third of all their runs in the last 30 days of baseball. They, they hit a third of all their home runs in the last 30 days of baseball. They did so many things just in the last 30 days that it wouldn't have surprised me, surprised me that if they just surprised me, surprised me philosophically <laughs> that, uh, uh, we would have went out there and not hit. Like I would have been like a net is the Cardinals team. I kind of expected to show and, up and they did the Cardinals. Team, yeah. The Cardinals team that showed up hit. They, they had battle. They battled at the plate. They did. The, it did not. It did not result every, in. It did not result in a lot of hits. But that's but, what you get when you're facing Max Scherzer. When yep. he's not on his best, he's still better than you are. Like right. he knows how to pitch through him, not at his best. He's not going to come out and strike you out every day. He's going to. He's going to work himself out of situations, and that's why he's a World Series champion. That's why he's a veteran. That's why he's getting paid by the Dodgers because he's capable of doing those things and you held your own against all of that, you know? Right. And I mean, was there, was it disappointing? Yeah, sure. Of course yeah. it was. Um, you know, it, Edmund had a great game. You know, he had the three hits out of like the five that the Cardinals had. I know yep. we talked about, great game. why don't we talked about O'Neill, Arenado and Carlson combined to go like one for 12 or whatever it was. But I think in that one for 12, I think they struck out once. Yeah. You know, I, I want to say it might have might have been more than that. I'm gonna I'm gonna look. I feel like Bader had like two to three ten pitch at bats. Yeah, and and that's what I'm saying. Like like you said, like they they battled quite a bit. Like it was it was certainly not an easy win. Yeah, um, and Joe West had a very good strike zone for the game. Yeah, it, he was surprisingly very good. It was it was the best his best game guaranteed all year. So I lied. So uh, O'Neill did strike out three times. Uh, Arenado didn't strike out at all. Carlson struck out once. Um, now I will say that I think some of the more disappointing at bats that happened in the game um, were Arenado at bats. Um, yep, yeah, those are times you need you know the thirty-five million dollar man to uh, make a thirty-five million dollars. Yeah, <clears throat> and it was, and I I don't know. I guess like I don't know what the I don't know what the approach was, more or less. Because, like, so in the first inning when the Cardinals scored their lone run, it was Tommy Edmond um, falling behind in the count, fouling off, you know, fouled off three pitches, hits the single. Um, Goldschmidt sees a six-pitch walk, but he was down one-two before he worked the before he worked the walk. Um, but then O'Neill flies out. Um Um, you know, on the first pitch, I'm trying to see where it was. I mean, it was middle low, so maybe a good pitch, but aggressive. And he, and it was a fly out to admin tag and went third, um, Arenado four pitches and he fly, like he flied out to left field. Um, I think it was deep ish. Um, Carlson reaches on the fielding air, but took a strike and then swung it pitch number two and then Molina flew out with runners on first and third on the first pitch and the pitch that he swung out was a slider low and away 
and he just popped it up. Um, so it was like early in the inning, Edmund and Goldschmidt kind of said it like, hey, let's let's make him work. Like this is what we want to do. And then it kind of ended. But then when you see like where we talked about it, it was like, hey, you're making him work. Um, like the Cardinals didn't get a hit, but uh, Edmundo Sosa, nine pitch at bat. Uh, Bader, six pitch walk. Um, Wayno, six pitches. And on a full count, got down the sack bunt. And then Edmund, you know, three pitches to end the inning. But, that, but that's fine. Didn't make a ton of progress, but deep in the counts, made him work. Um, in the third inning, when you had two, three, four up again, uh, Goldschmidt, six-pitch single. O'Neill, three-pitch strikeout. Uh, Arenado, two pitches ground out. And then Carlson finally made him throw a little bit. But again, like, O'Neill and, er- and Arenado doing nothing, like, Yep, O'Neill struck out on three pitches, but two of those he was swinging. So he took a pitch and then was hacking away. Um, not a chance to see a lot of pitches. So I think that that was the difference to me. It's like, yep, they didn't strike out, but they never I – don't, I don't feel like they took good at bats. Um, and I know we've talked about before, like, Arenado just isn't – you know, isn't that that great in the postseason in terms of numbers at this point. So hopefully maybe that's not that this doesn't continue to be a thing, but he certainly that that fit the bill, you know, for for the one game. Um, well, yeah, because I mean, I but it's all gonna be fixed because like they fired Schilt, so right. And no uh, one yeah, and like in his his approach, yeah, like clearly the offense was run by Schilt, right. not the hitting coach. Yeah, um, clearly. So yeah, it it just it's it. It seemed like, yeah, you know, they were things were going in the right direction. It seemed like they were starting to put things together. Um, I heard some people compare it to Baruby, like just different friends that I know, like the Hitchcock Baruby situation. Um, but for me, like with Hitchcock, like the team lost the desire to play for him. Um, if anything, I think that. In that analogy, it would be better used as Machini or Machini, uh, Matheny and Schilt in 2018. Um, that they the team kind of lost the you know to play to go out and grind out wins for Matheny. Um, they weren't worried about getting it done. They hadn't been in the playoffs in two years. They were below 500, you know, a decent way through the season. You know, nearing like the two thirds mark. It was, yeah, they we never like, tried ah, anything different. Yeah, like, it, it was just, it was day. done. Yeah, whatever. We're not going to catch anybody. It's fine. You know, let's make plans for the offseason. Like, that seemed to be the attitude. And then when Schilt came in, they turned it around. They went on a little bit of a run. Missed the playoffs still. But, obviously, the Blues story with Bruby works out a little bit better. Um, I don't know when Bruby took over. I don't think it, I don't think it was in 2019. Um could be wrong if I could spell I hit the W key instead of the E key what day did Chill get fired last week um Thursday Thursday I think that's right Thursday so the 14th 
Trying to check Jack Flaherty's Twitter for the 14th. Oh, not even Hitchcock. Mike Yo is who I was thinking of. It wasn't even Hitchy that he took mm-hmm. over from. Um, but yeah, so that was November 2018. And Baruby took over as coach, um, as head coach then. Um, and I get to like 2019, like they struggled to start. Things weren't good and they turned it on strong. Um, so yeah, so what that would have been, uh, yeah, so that, so it was his first year. Yeah. Cause I forget hockey. They, it's the, the changing of the calendar year. So yeah. So he took over like a month and a half into the 2018, 2019 season. And then they won the Stanley cup later that year. So I would think that Schilt would be more Matheny. Uh, Schilt would be more Baruby with Matheny being Mikey O. <clears throat> um, but I, I, to your point, like a team doesn't win 17 games in a row without trying to go out there and grind it out for your coaching staff, for your team, for your organization. Yeah, they don't play um, the wild card game that hard. <laughs> Yeah, especially yeah, when you're when you're all it. but written off. Like even mathematically, like all the data pointed towards like the Cardinals having really no chance at making the playoffs. Shit, like yeah. we talked about how like thing there was just so much stacked against them that like not only did they have to play really good baseball, but other teams needed to play really shitty baseball. Yeah. For now, granted that happened. Like I think I think we talked about the Padres finished below 500 on the year. Not just during that stretch they played below 500. They played so bad that they finished below 500 on the year. Um, and no one foresaw that happening. So, and, and even with all that, I mean, what the Cardinals won the wild card by like four or five games, they were in the second wild card. So it wasn't like they walked away with it. Um, it just wasn't close at the end. Cause like the Reds fell apart, Mets fell apart, you know, Phillies fell apart mainly cause they got beat up on by the Braves who wanted to win the division. Um, Braves were pretty bad, which brought them back into it. Cause I think the Cardinals finished with even a better record than Atlanta who should be on the verge of going to a world series, but they shut the bed tonight. <laughs> um, so yeah. So they're going to, I know they're going to end up winning tomorrow and then they're going to blow another three, one series lead to the Dodgers. And it's going to make me want to pull my hair out. Um, <clears throat> but, but yeah, I, it it just took a bit, so even even we had kind of written them off. Like, eh, like, yep, mathematically they're not out of it, but things don't look great. Like, they have to turn it around now. Like, they they have to win every series, you know. And at first they weren't, and then they went on that big run, and it was like, hey, not only are we gonna win every series, we're just gonna win every game, and that's what it took. But you don't you don't do that in that scenario if you're like, man, fuck our fuck our coach. Yeah, I'm not I'm not playing for him. I'm going to win 17 games for myself. Like, this is not like it's cool that like 
you want to win, but like the vibe of a team and like the feeling of a team is like a real thing, you know? And like when you're down like that, you're just, it's just not going to happen. Um, but it does sound like John Mosellock is going to hire someone quick. He said that he doesn't even want this to drag into mid November without having a coach. So sounds like we'll only be just, you know, a couple weeks here and, uh, won't we'll drag on too, too long. Yeah. And Probably I think that, I think that part of that, hired. Yeah, and I, I imagine that part of that, you know, like if there was a, a time frame, say like, you know, if we could be a fly on the wall in the executive box when they brought Reyes in, it would be interesting to hear like what was said then, you know, or if we had like an inside connection to someone yeah, that yeah, could yeah. like tell us what what the vibe was there. And I imagine that like if they're they're being candid, they probably weren't happy about it. I don't know anybody that was probably other than Reyes. Maybe even Reyes wasn't happy about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit, he had shown he had shown plenty of body language that he didn't want to come into games late and. You know, when that happened with, uh, what's his name, Zach Britton, the Yankees were like, it's time to fake an injury. Like, we're going to shut you down for the year. <laughs> so uh, maybe that's what they should have done with Reyes if they weren't going to utilize him, is just have him be injured and give that spot to somebody you will utilize. Um, was it the right decision, in my opinion? Absolutely not. Uh, obviously, the outcome proves that to be the case, but... I still don't know like what Flaherty was on your roster for if it wasn't to be utilized in that sort of scenario. Um, but either way, we've talked about that enough. Um, but so, so I feel like after that, you know, if that was the vibe and then that's the outcome, you know, Reyes gives up the home run and they're immediately like fucking knew it. I don't know what Mike's doing. Like what a dumbass. We told him not to pitch him or, you know, that was the wrong move. Like clearly this guy just is going to go to his guys. This is all he knows. Um, you know, he's never going to be that guy to huge Scherzer and a closing in a close situation, you know, for game five, he doesn't have the, the managerial insight that a Dave Roberts has, which this is all sarcasm. Cause I think his decisions for the Dodgers have been absolutely stupid. Um, but you start, you start a reliever as an opener and then you utilize your, your best starter as your closer. And I get that it's not the first team to to have done it. I mean, like Wayne went into the closers role in 2006. Uh, Granted, he hadn't really been a starter yet, but that was what he was intended to be. Um, Bumgarner got a couple saves uh, with the giants when they won one of their world series. Um, Chris sale has pitched out of the bullpen. Um, and he pitched quite a bit out of the bullpen um, for Boston in 2018. So it's not like this innovative thing, but it was, it, it was, it's what you did. Like you went to your best guy in that situation. Like who's the best pitcher we have available? Max Scherzer. Okay, let's get him up going. The best pitcher you had available in that situation was not Alex Reyes, but it's who we went with because that's all he knew what to do was either write in, you know, Genesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos, or Alex Reyes when when, when he went to the bullpen. Like, that's all Chilton knew how to do all year, it seemed, um, until September. And then he went away from what had been working. Um, It's like the same issue that I had with uh, Roberts using Urias out of the bullpen in game two 
for LA and Atlanta. That's like, dude, your team won 106 games in the regular season. And not once did you ever feel the need to go to someone like Urias out of the bullpen instead of your relievers. Like, why are you tinkering with what isn't broken? Like, in an elimination game, sure, I could totally get it. And when it's Max Scherzer. Like, let Urias do what he does. Like, it ended up working out in game five for them. But, you know, starters are creatures of habit. You utilize two two relievers out of your bullpen in the first two innings and then you had Urias start to get warm granted he, he pitched fine it was it was okay like wasn't the end of the world but he was a 20 game winner with like a sub three era like why not just let him start the game like oh really like san francisco's offense is just that formidable that you don't think arguably one of the like uh, a potential cy young candidate for this year could start the game and get the top of their lineup out an extra time like really like that that was your gamesmanship you just don't fucking be cute like you won 106 games just fucking do what works just you know or it was like uh me and my brother talked a bunch about it they're like well apparently the giants made made some changes like well yeah i'm sure the giants do have a different look for a right-handed starter versus a left-handed starter but who who cares like you won 107 games like just do what works for you just write in the names that are the names you wrote in all year that resulted in 107 W's, you know, or at that point, 109 W's and stop overthinking it. Yep. It's <laughs> just why, it's why I got mad. So mad at the bills losing last night to lose. And you're on the two yard line and you do this cute QB sneak play, you ah. know, like you're rushing time. Like you're professional athletes. You, you literally practice all week. And you're going to tell me that you didn't practice this moment because then there's a problem, you know, like as a coach, you're supposed to make sure you go through all those things and have a game plan for all those moments. You know what they so should have done in, in that play? What? They should have run the same play that they ran when they converted the two points. Yeah. Cause that play worked like a goddamn charm. Yeah. <laughs> like Allen was wide open on that play. I think the guy that threw it to him probably could have run the ball into the end zone. Um, so I think I was seeing that there's a stat that there's been now four games where Josh Allen catches a pass and they've lost all of them. So. <laughs> well, Hey, stop doing that then. Stop yeah. throwing to yeah. Allen. Yeah. Stop throwing to Allen, you know, but it, he passes it, the ball or he yeah. runs the ball. Yeah. I had mentioned to someone else today, you know, and it's, it's like, you know, do we, do we not learn? when the Seahawks didn't let Marshawn Lynch run the ball in the Super Bowl. That was such a moment in sports that you went, you know what? I should just do what got me here. Yeah. Don't get cute. My guys first, your guys, best team's about to win it. In all all baseball, football, basketball, whatever it is, when it comes down to the last possible moment, it's your best versus their best, like you said, and you got to give it, you got to give it everything you got. And, uh, you know, just, or you can throw out Alex Reyes, you know, <laughs> I wonder if they were like, you know, in order to be a starter next year, if Alex Reyes gets us out of this situation, he's going to be on cloud. He's going to be riding cloud nine. We can almost have him close games next series. If he, <laughs> it does well in this spot right now. Yeah. This will be the beginning of Alex Reyes coming out and being what he was. 
Yeah. Hey, do you think we should bring in Genesis Cabrera? You know, like he's battled adversity all year. He walked a bunch of guys at the beginning of the year, hit a guy in the head, and then just had to turn around and then just was lights out. Really yeah. low ERA, maybe, low walk rate. Maybe what should we bring because in people him? were worried about getting hit in the head. Maybe yeah. not, but maybe. Yeah. You want to bring in that guy? Nah. Nah, did you want to bring him in last year? No. Nah. No, nah, we don't want to bring him in last year. Because Giovanni, or, uh, uh, I mean, Genesis Cabrera gets no time in the playoffs. He's not allowed to pitch in the playoffs. Yeah, Only he's not the regular a, season. He's not an October pitcher. Yeah, he's not an October pitcher. He's, he's, he's not. He, he's, yeah, not he's, he's not autumnal. Autumn yeah, autumnal, they call him autumnal. They call him Mr. September. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he's not Mr. Genesis October. Genesis September nickname. Cabrera. Is what they call yeah, I've heard that that is his middle name. What did you say? It's not Jocktober? <laughs> no, <laughs> not Mr. October. That's his nickname. It's Genesis, not Mr. October Cabrera. Yeah. Um, so. But, but yeah, like I, like I said, like we, and we've talked about it in depth. Like, I don't know what Flaherty was on your roster for if it wasn't for that situation in a spot where you're in a jam and you need one out righty righty matchup. He wasn't stretched out. He wasn't going to get you 30 to 40 pitches. He wasn't going to go two-plus innings or something like that. He he was on like a 15-pitch limit the last time he made an appearance. So just let him let him go out there and get that one out and end it. Like, be done. Here, here you go. You know, like that. that's what they should have done. I if And if Flaherty gets beat in that situation, then I, I think it's acceptable. Like, it's all right, like that's what he was on the roster for. You you live and you learn. He didn't get the job done. You don't win them all. You know, it's it's fine. Um, but so if if they're upset about that decision, at that point they probably are starting to brainstorm what their choices are for next year. Like, what can we do to get past this? Like is is shilt our guy and so maybe the the decision was like hey if you had the chance to do it all over again not knowing the outcome would you go to reyes in that situation and if he's like yeah you know or well we got unlucky because gallegos had this uh fingernail thing and he was i wanted him to pitch the ninth too but he got he was you know we had to pull him you know whatever yeah it's, it's, uh, it's the yeah, whatever, whatever bullshit they came up with with why guy goes to go back out there, um, man, maybe they felt that it was bullshit too. The front office and they're like, that's not the case. Get the fuck out of here. Um, I don't know when McFarland started to get warmed up. Um, because it's not even like they went to Reyes initially, like McFarland, and then McFarland walking a guy is really what got him into that situation. Um. But yeah, they shit the bed, Spags. Yeah, like I, I don't know. There, yeah, there's really no other way. Really no <laughs> other way to put just... it. Um, you know, so I, so I think at that point they, pro- like, especially if they were already talking about, well, if we fire Shilt, what are we gonna do? Um, you know, and I, and I don't. Again, we don't know that that's the coaches that they were talking about. Maybe it was Albert's, you know, who knows, but I don't know what the hesitation was to fire shield. If they, if they didn't like, 
because I'm assuming if Marmol is your guy, he was the bench coach, so it makes sense that he would be the interim manager if you fired Schilt in the middle of the season. So if that was your hesitation, like, eh, we're not necessarily confident in the guy to take over mid-year like Schilt did for Matheny, then, like, I, I don't know what to do, you know? Um, so let's hold off. But now you fire him afterwards, and so you're... I feel like the only way you would know, like, ah, oh, we expect this to be done in November, is if you already had, like, a list of candidates in your head, and you already had a good feel for people that you knew were going to be interested, and it was just like, all right, like, let's talk to a handful of people, make sure we're making the best decision. Um, of course they have people interested. There's, like, nine people probably in the Cardinals organization that will easily say yes to John Moselock for a couple of years. Well, they make a couple million dollars and, you know, control one of a, you know, a storied franchise in baseball history. Um, yeah, I mean, the Cardinals were it. just like, hey, yeah, shit, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, so the Cardinals were like, you know, if we, we go out, we can look. There'll be there should be, you know, a couple candidates that are interested in us. And worst come to worst, I'll just hire someone internally again, you know. And then if it doesn't work out, you know, I'll just have some more philosophical differences with that guy and, you know, just keep moving on. And I know that, like, Molina's come out and kind of painted the picture for who his ideal candidate would be for a manager. And no offense to Molina, but who gives a shit? Like, he's only going to be with the team for one more year, most likely. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe maybe he wants to bring in a manager that's ideal to him because then that manager will be convinced that Molina can continue to play and Molina will play more than one more year. Well, why don't we just let Molina just be the coach? You know, fuck it. Yeah. I, I've heard plenty of people speaking for that. Like he could be player manager. I don't know. I don't know that I, like I have never seen the managerial mindset of Yadier Molina. Um, seems pretty hot headed in my opinion. Like he's more like a, an Ozzie Guillen. Yeah, Um, dude, I like Ozzie Guillen. Yeah. Not, not to say that he can't be good, but I also then don't know like what happens if you get ejected out of the game as a manager. Like, are you like are you gonna not play as often? You know, like or you know, can you not can you not have like tough conversations with guys or have those conversations on the bench or talk with your coaches on the bench because you're out on the field? Um, you know, like how does it work for you to signal? You know, and have a conversation about who you should get warming up if you're behind the plate and your pitcher's struggling. Yeah, it just seems it seems real weird. Yeah, I definitely think it's a dumb idea to mix the two. Um, faux show. Um, and I know what Yachty wants in a manager, um, but historically... The Cardinals hire old white men as managers, so you can bet that. Well, next... I mean, it's only been for like the last like twenty, forty, <laughs> yeah, sixty, going, going, a hundred years. <laughs> That's fine. What do you mean a history? Yeah, yeah, it's only like a track record. Yeah. of hiring like. Eh, I think like Matheny is like the youngest manager that's ever been on the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that that's factual, but it yeah. seems that and way. I, and I always like to bring up the point and remember that I'm pretty sure Matheny, they just 
the Cardinals were giving him a favor because he was in the middle of filing bankruptcy. Yeah, they're like, hey man, here's a couple million. This should help yeah. you out. Yeah, and like you should have really been better with your money. Like this, right? Not very net profitable, but I guess I can slide your account. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't know. You know, I don't know of many like. Like, of course, like there's the same names get brought up all the time, you know, like the the Bruce Bochies of the world, shit like that, where guys that used to manage that are, you know, they may not currently be or, you know, guys that managed and their bench coaches like they're still in the game, like a Walt Weiss, um, you know, managed in Colorado for a while, has the Arenado connection, um, currently just a bench coach in Atlanta. But I don't I don't know that he's like waiting for that next managerial opportunity. Um you know, guys like Carlos Beltran's name's been thrown around, who obviously got hired for the Mets um, situation. Um, who knows? Maybe he implemented his, you know, like he turned his career around in St. Louis. So maybe that's when he started, you know, using video to steal signs and banging on trash cans. Ooh. I don't know. Um, he also then went to New York and he had success there. Um, so maybe he cheated there too. Who the fuck knows? Um, all we do know is that he for sure cheated in Houston. And I don't, I don't know that anybody is going to be willing to kind of let that go. Um, but he also is kind of the scapegoat of it all. Cause he's the only player that got punished because he had stopped playing. He was a manager. And so the Mets fired him or I guess like not even fired him, like terminated his contract. I guess there was like, uh, we're going to get this annulled. We're not married. <laughs> yes, um, it didn't happen. Yeah, so I don't I don't know. Um so I, and I just I hate the mindset that like they it has to be someone tied to the Cardinals club. You know, like why? Why does it have to be? Right. Uh why does there have to be a connection to like a current player? Um mm. like now that Boone nobody hires anybody like that. Yeah. Is it a convenient thing? Is it nice? Yeah. But nobody hires people like that. Just nobody. You hire the best candidate for your current landscape to win championships. Not because you want a yeah, guy to like, feel somewhat comfortable. Like, yeah, like the, the who you know, that's what works in like middle America. Yeah. That's how things yeah, that's work. Our thing. Yeah, yeah that's how that. things go in like the corporate world that I exist in. Yeah. The corporate world that the Cardinals exist in, that's different. That's you don't just give you don't you you gotta you gotta give it to the best candidate for sure. And it's like now that Boone signed his three year extension and the Yankees don't have a vacancy, and that's fine. I'm okay with that. I'm not I'm not anti Boone by any means. Um I think he's done very well. You know, you don't trip into a six hundred win percentage. Um yeah. I don't help. We got good players around. Yeah. I, I also think that I could have managed these Yankee teams to a 600 win percentage, but Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Um, I, I can't say that I think Boone has made the wrong decisions in a lot of situations. The only like glaring, like black mark that I have against managerial decisions made by Boone, um, is when he pulled uh, Davey Garcia in that game against the Rays. I think it was game three um, 
might have been game two when they were up 1-0. Maybe that's what it was. But he pulled Davey Garcia after two innings, having a great start to bring in J.A. Happ. Yeah, yeah. My God. Like no, I fucking fuck J.A. Happ. Jay Happ's lucky that I never got to see him like in the bullpen at a game that I was at. I would just like oh, let him yeah. have it. Yo, yeah. Would tell us what you would have said to him. I I can't work. I can't say it on there. Yeah, you, I would have gotten yeah, kicked you, out. You, <laughs> huh? I would have gotten wow. kicked out of my stadium. That, that's for sure. Like, that, it's been hard. It's hard to get yelled at a white guy and get kicked out. <laughs> that's fair. Um, but no, it, so other than that, like, I, I think it's fine. So I'm, I'm fine with, with Boone being where he's at. Um, they need to get it done in the playoffs, but I think a big part of that is the team needs to get it done. Um, Cole didn't like, he made some bad pitches. Um, it all kind of unraveled with the Xander Bogarts, you know, change up middle, middle, basically. Uh, got hit a long way. That's going to happen when you do that. Um, there have been times that the offense just didn't show up where like judge struggled and struck out a whole bunch and he set the record for like most strikeouts in a postseason series. Um, I think that was 2017 maybe, um, when they, or maybe it was 2018 when they lost to the Red Sox or could have been 2017 when they lost to the Astros. Um, you know, Chapman's given up a couple big home runs, you know, the, the walk-off loss to the Astros in 2019, um, the home run late to the Rays in game five in 2020. So it's just at a point like guys aren't getting it done. Um, and that can't like, I get it's easier to fire a manager than it is to fire two or three players. You know, you can't really fire players at the MLB level. Um, but I don't think Boone can be held responsible. Like the the right decision was going to Chapman. The right decision was playing judge. You know, um, I, I guess maybe you could hold Boone accountable for judge being sent in the wild card game. The, I don't know, be thrown out by 80 feet. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, get, it's, I get it's only third. 90 feet. To yeah. Home, it's going to be the third base coach, you know? Right. It's like, yeah. I don't think that's on Boone. And do I expect perfection? No. Does it hurt more because it was the postseason? Yeah. Right. Does that change? There? Does that yeah. change the complexion of the game? Sure. Because if you know, if Judge is safe, the game's tied. If Judge, you know, gets stranded at third, it's the same scenario. Uh, but it was a momentum shift, and the Red Sox tacked on more runs. Um, I think Schwarber came up and hit like the big home run to lead off the next inning off Cole. Um, to extend the lead back to two runs. So it was certainly a, a, a momentum shift with him being thrown out the plate. It also was a great relay on Boston's part. Like, I don't – it it took a good play for him to be out by as much as he was. Yeah. And Boston executed flawlessly. Yeah. Um, he forced him to make that play. I mean, right. it's a good call, especially in a postseason game where it's like stealing a base. Like, that play, you have to be so perfect to catch the guy that when you do it, like hats off to you. Like the relay was great. Like it's easy for me to run in and tag in. Like, right. I mean, like if it's if it's a typical relay, 
like where it's not textbook on the dot if you were going to draw up here's how you relay to home if it if it wasn't at that level maybe it's a bang bang play um and it and it's fine like it's here this is the way you do it here you go um you know and if and if judge is safe there's never like i'm never gonna be like oh man like i get he scored but that's just not the right call there like the reason why everyone had a problem with the call is because he was out and he was out by a significant margin but i think credit to that is due to be given on the red sox side as well um was it a ballsy send yeah but early in the game down by one and Eovaldi looked strong early like it wasn't like Eovaldi looked sketchy like you were getting to him sure but he was pitching well um so i can i can get behind it you know sure whatever so there there isn't the same to to boone and the coaching staff there isn't that same like oh man we got to figure it out like their struggles this year were like they didn't run at all, which was a lot of team struggle, but they hit into so many double plays. Um, yeah, they ran into a lot of outs, like going first to third, trying to stretch doubles. Like they just ran into a lot of outs in the base pass, um, getting kind of caught in no man's land. It was real bad at, for a stretch, um, but that's why they, you know, lost, you know, eight games in a row, seven games in a row on a couple of occasions because they were playing shitty baseball for a while. It took LeMahieu a while to get going. Um, maybe it was like the the longer off-season COVID protocols still in the air, all the vaccine stuff going on. There was the spider tax situation early in the year. Maybe that was a bigger part. Who knows? Because um, like the offense really started to click in June. Um, when that shit went away. So I don't know if it was maybe a mental block that was there, whatever. But so all in all, like I'm not, not mad about Boone staying. So since Boone staying with the Yankees, I still think that Hensley Mullins is a huge option. Some team needs to give this guy a shot. I think he will do good things for a team. I, I think it's bonus points because of the, the, like the diversity hire, um, but I think that it also adds like he speaks Japanese, he speaks Spanish, he speaks English, he speaks Dutch, like he's from uh, Curacao, like he's played overseas, he's played in the MLB, he's been a bench coach, he's been a hitting coach, he's been with multiple teams that have won a World Series, like he's kind of seen every facet of it. He was brought in to be like a mentor slash assistant manager for Carlos Beltran to the Mets, then got fired when Beltran went away. He was there for one season, and then they let him go because the new coach they hired wanted to be able to pick his own staff. So Mullins was just kind of the odd man out. Uh, so I think he's in, I think he's coaching overseas right now. Um, but he's got a he's got a track record. He's got the resume for it. It. Like I said, it has the bonus points of it being a diversity hire, not to, like you should just hire him because he's not white. Um, but those bonus points come along with it. I just think he would be a great fit for a club. Um, especially like when I, I don't know what like the I don't know what the scenario will be, you know, with Kim if Kim doesn't come back to the Cardinals, you know, Carlos Martinez is gonna be gone. It's like you you don't really I don't really know off the top of my head like 
and like a lot of other ethnic relievers or pitchers or players that the Cardinals have. But I just always thought it would be cool, you know, like at the time for the Yankees, like they have young kids that are more Spanish speaking, like Garcia, um, Severino. They had Tanaka, who is a, you know, native Japanese speaker. And so a lot of these guys, like you need like Gary Sanchez to uh, translate for you or Tanaka had a translator or Kim has a translator. Um, Molina is translating for people. So I just think that it would be cool for your manager to be able to come out and regardless of who's on the mound, he can have a conversation with them and he can be the translator from the pitcher to other players or he can talk to a guy how they need to. Um, I, I, the manager being the crux that brings the team together, I think is far better than, you know, just some other guy that comes out onto the field. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it holds a lot of weight. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe players just don't give a shit. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it all goes into it. I think it's a good logic. Yeah. So. But that that's where I'm I'm at. Like I hope they do go external. Um especially if like their their stance is well, we need to it's time to like philosophically do something different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you better go like, look outside the organization. Because if philosophically you wanted the the same things that were going on, you would have just kept the same guy. And the right. same the same staff, the same everything. Because you brought him up. He was everything you wanted him to be. He mentored with all the right people, all your people. Like, you already had him. You picked him. Right. And the only, and and that's why the only thing that says to me that they were on a different page, if they hire internal, like if it is Marmol or if it is Clap, um, the the difference would be that they're going to be, yeah, cool, just give me a shot with a big league club. I'm fine if we don't spend in free agency. Like, yeah, you want me to promote from within? You want me to to utilize Reyes and and as a, the fifth starter? Like, yeah, we can do that. Like, that can be our game plan going into it. Like, this is that's fine with me. Yeah, like I think we can win. Like, let's let's trust in the kids. Let's bring up the depth pieces. You know, um, I don't know if like Schilt was behind pushing for pitching help. Like, hey, here's what we need. Like if you can get me some guys that can eat innings. Um, and that's what brought in Lester and Hap. I don't know. Um, or maybe Schilt felt like those moves were bullshit and they were just there to save face. Cause I'm pretty sure both of them were off the, were left off the wildcard roster. Um, I know at least Lester was, I don't know about Hap. I think they both were, but yeah, so it's like you brought you brought in these guys and they were supposed to help make the team better or like to be the best give them the best chance of winning and then they didn't go on to the wild card roster. So clearly Schilt well, didn't feel that way. They were there to eat innings, Banks. Right. So I so expected was... them to win seventeen games in a row, bring it over half of this Right. So if their if their stance so if the front office's stance was we brought in pieces that you could win with and you prove that. So just trust us. We know what we're doing. 
And Joe was like, no, like we won in spite of you. Then that, that to me is like where if they hire internally, that to me is the clear difference is that they told shield they weren't going to bring in other pieces. Like it'll be some, you know, filler pieces, some depth piece type moves. Like they bring back a John Lester or something like that. Like they're not going to go out and get, you know, a, a top end starter. They're going to get a number five somewhere. Um, they're not going to go get, you know, the Robbie Rays of the world. That isn't going to happen. Um, they aren't going to get uh, Trevor Story. They're going to get uh, Jose Iglesias. Like, that'll be the investment that they make. Like, hey, this guy isn't going to kill us. Maybe he helps us win some games. Hey, I was listening to the Interleague, and they've been talking yeah, about Jose brought... Iglesias. So. <laughs> These two will at least be happy, and that's all yep. that matters. Yep. It'll please somebody. So let's go that route. And Chris is ready to be the next coach of the Cardinals. He'll already have his guys, you know. <laughs> right. So we don't we don't have to worry about it. Hey, um, and we're gonna bring back Ozzie Smith, you know. Um, well, Bob Gibson said he could throw pitches again. So here he comes. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Yeah, like the, it just it it would be weird to me because so what? Like you you have the Cardinal way and you just felt shield just. Out of out of nowhere, forgot it. Yeah, you know, or, yeah. ah, you we get you won seventeen games in a row, but you were stealing bases. Like that's not the cardinal way. Yeah, so, what are you doing? like you need to win seventeen games in a row, but you need to win them our way. Like we gave yeah. you a pre-approved method of winning, and you didn't follow that, so we need to part ways. Like philosophically, you just won seventeen games the wrong way. Um, yeah, you're making the playoffs. All in all the wrong ways, man. Right. If you go, if they go external, which is what I think they should do, then I think that that speaks to like a, a changing of the guard more so. Um, and not that like you can't have uh, a change in mentality if you go with the bench coach, like if you go with Marmol or if you go with Clap, like not that things can't be different, but I, I feel like, you know, Marmol's mindset was to be second in command of Schilt. So his mindset is aligned with Schilt's. Um, Clapp's job when he was in Memphis and, you know, before he came up to the, the big club would have been to prepare players in the same manner in which they would be approaching things in St. Louis. Um, so his mindset has to be aligned with the current manager, with the current approach of the team. So I don't know what they're what philosophically they're going to expect to change from one year to the next without bringing in fresh blood. You know, and so that's why to me, I, I feel like the mindset had to be that they want to fill the, the roster internally. They want to continue to build the farm system, have that core group of players and then bring in the accent pieces like uh Nolan Arenado, a Paul Goldschmidt, you know, and, and build around that. Like though, you know, like the Astros did, like the Cubs did, um, like the Nationals did. Um, like the, you know, where the Yankees were at, um, that that's what they want to try to mimic 
because they're they're not going to do the Dodgers approach. They're not going to go spend three hundred million dollars on their team to you know go to the World Series three out of four years and only win one. That was in a shortened year that has an asterisk next to it anyway, because all of the games were played in a neutral site. They didn't have to deal with Planet Tropicana. I think that changes things. There were no travel days. You know, that changes the aspect of the series. Pitchers get used differently. The Rays bullpen didn't get as much rest as they should have. Just saying, there's a lot of things different last year than a normal season. True. So. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I just don't know how you can sell. Hey, we want things to be different but we're going to hire a guy that probably has the same mentality out of the gate. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's more of a, we have the same book, you know, yeah, she wanted, she wanted wow. to do things a certain way. And we disagreed with that. And I have a really hard time believing that what Schilt was arguing for was, Hey, don't spend money in free agency. Let me use the young kids. Let me bring up the young kids. I don't, I don't think that that's where it was at. Like, Hey, you're bringing back Molina. I have Andrew Kisner. Don't, don't sign Molina. Right. Oh, Andrew you're bringing Kisner's back on Molina? my dynasty fantasy team. I'm gonna need. Yeah, to... you're bringing back Adam Wainwright. Why? His numbers were only pretty good. His numbers were only maybe a Cy Young voter too. His numbers were only like near where his like best career numbers have been at times. Um. Why Adam Wainwright? All he did was put us on his back and probably carry us into a postseason. But no, don't bring that guy in. We don't want him. We have Alex Reyes. He's our ace. He's our guy. He was an all-star. Yeah, so... I, I feel like that that has to be the philosophical difference is... I want you to bring some pieces in and they're like, go fuck yourself, Mike. And he was like, okay. He was like, damn. Got it. And they're like, oh, do you? Now you're fine. (laughs) Now you don't got it. Come at me. (laughs) Uh, Yep. It should be fun. Interesting next couple weeks. And then we'll get to criticize the new guy and all their moves they make and, you know, how they, you know, brown nose Mo all day, most likely. Yeah, I mean, and, and Seager and Correa are making an argument for themselves to be some front runners in the shortstop market. I'm still, if it if it's going to be a shortstop. I'm going to make $40 million. I'm going to make $41 million. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want Correa on my team. Well, it's not it's not my team, obviously, but I don't want Correa on the Yankees. Um, I just think it there's too much <laughs> too much there from 2017 uh, and maybe 2019. I get they didn't get caught for anything in 2019, but yeah. the Altuve shit it just it drives me crazy. Like it it makes literally no sense with how it all played out. It is so sketchy. Um, that there wasn't and something there. Just there's too, just too much. A lot of signs that he, you know, 
maybe he just won't be good if he's not on that team. You know, he's got a lot of good people around him. Like, is he, you know, it's like Dexter Fowler. You know? Right. Um, they do have a lot around him. I don't know how many of his home runs go into the Crawford box in left field. So I don't know. They have the same kind of power numbers. Um, when he hit his big home run, I know it was a no doubter in Houston, but I mean, it only went like, uh, I feel like it only went like seven or eight rows into the Crawford boxes, which that's a short ass field, like porch in left field. You know, so it's not like he crushed it off the train tracks or something, you know, where Albert Pools hit that Brad, Brad Lidge slider that probably still hasn't landed. Um, I, I just, I agree. And like the whole, it's my time celebration, like, shut up, dude. Have, have some class. Like I get, you guys have gone to five straight LCSs. It's impressive. But at the end of the day, you guys are fucking cheaters and I can't get over that. And maybe that's me being biased or petty or what, but I just don't, I don't care. Like don't brag about shit that you didn't earn fairly. Like you, you, you got caught cheating for one of them. You like nothing came out in 2018. So there's a strong possibility you were still doing something you shouldn't have then there's a bunch of evidence to point towards there. Something was sketchy in 2019. So that's your third. 2020 has an asterisk like it does for everybody. So don't celebrate, you know, an oddity. That's not cool. And then this year, congratulations. You know, you got the better of a White Sox team that fell apart in the postseason because they didn't know how to pitch. They forgot, they forgot their biggest strength, you know, you beat up on really good pitchers. So disappointing. It, it it was really disappointing. I I thought it would at least be a good series, and the Astros just steamrolled them. Like even the one game the White Sox won, it's you know it was just a slobber knocker of a baseball game. It looked more like a football score. <laughs> like were the Texans playing the Bears? Like no, White Sox and Astros. Um, but yeah, so I, it, it's just, I, I don't like the mentality. I, I will say that with, uh, Rodriguez doing it back to him in game three, cause he sat him down like three of the four times he faced him or whatever. Um, he did the celebration of like touching his wrist to, you know, to signify it's his time. They asked Correa about it and he said that he loved it. So I'm, I'm all for it. Like, cool you know be be about it i guess the issue that i have is like correa didn't really show this this side like he was that guy that like bitch and moaned about joe kelly you know like with with that whole situation um so it's like uh the 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 new issue that we have with juan soto that like he's all about grabbing his crotch, hawking people down, but then he's going to come out and say, like, I just don't like people that trash talk. Like, really? Right. really? Right. Like, you're all about showing people up, but you don't like guys that trash talk because you have right. rabbit ears. You know, like people get under your skin too easily. Like, don't, don't be a baby. Um, You know, either just be against it. Like, be, be Adam Wainwright, who I imagine is like the, like, 
pitches with tenacity, but he's just a classy guy. Like he's a, a good sportsman at the end of the day. Like Wayno's never going to, you know, talk shit to someone as they walk down to first. Wayno's never going to be the type of guy to like pump his chest coming off the mound. Like sure. He'll celebrate a, a win, you know, like right. if he throws a complete game shutty or, you know, gets a no hitter or something like that. Sure. Celebrate that shit. That's fine. You know, he doesn't need to, like, walk up and just, like, shake hands. You know, but he's going to have fun with it. So, like, he might, you know, razz a guy, you know, bust a guy's balls in fun. Um, you know, but he's, he's just never going to be that that other side. Um, you know, so it's, like, either take that approach, like, either just, you know, or or don't at all. Like, just be super vanilla. Or have fun with it. Like, you know, Jose Bautista. Like, I don't... He never... I don't remember Bautista ever having a problem with, like, it's unacceptable for people to bat flip. Like, he bat flip the shit out of things. Like, hit a home run, bat flip, then flip your batting gloves, flip second base. I don't fucking care. Like, flip everything. And then come out for a curtain call. Yeah. And flip your helmet. It's fine. So I yeah, it would be like I don't know <laughs> Juan Soto having a problem with people talking trash. It would be like To having a problem with people celebrating touchdowns. Like really, you do <laughs> that? You have a problem with it? Not the biggest fan. <laughs> right, like I, your actions would say otherwise. You know, like. You spent more money for celebrating touchdowns than I've made in my life. <laughs> like, it's, it's okay for me to, to do uh, that. It's right. just not okay for anyone else to. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just dumb. Yeah, and here I was, thought it was cool that Juan Soto shows up in a Seager jersey, or uh, not a, a Trey Turner jersey. Yeah. In Washington, you know, repping his boy. Yeah. Obviously, he's there with the agent, so like, it's this whole thing, but like, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, you look at him being a good teammate, at least. Right. And, but he's still just a douche. Yeah, like, yeah, like paying respects to the game. Like, yeah, we're not there, but I'm going to go check out postseason baseball because yep. it's it's the spot to be. Like, it's what's going on. Like, I'm yep. I'm surprised more guys don't. Um, you know, I thought it was cool that, like, Freeman came out and said that he was, like, openly rooting for the Dodgers to beat the Giants in game five. Uh, in game five. Because on I because the Dodgers were the wild card, so the Braves would have home field advantage if the Dodgers won, which means they would have been at home on Sunday in Atlanta. Um, whereas if the Giants won, that game would have been in San Francisco. And his son plays little league baseball, and I guess his son has like a had a playoff game or something like that, um, or may, it might have been a regular game. I don't know, but he wanted to be able to go see his son play. And so because the Dodgers won, he was in Atlanta, so he was able to go see that happen. Um, and there's, like, a uh, video of one of his sons at bats hitting a home run. <laughs> I was like, man, this Freddie Freeman's kid. Um, but it's like, I, I think it's cool that, like, people come out, like, they, they say that. Like, oh, yeah, we were we were rooting for him. Um, and, like... I, I feel like a lot of people would just be like, well, we didn't, we, I don't really care who won. Like, we're just going to get after it. We're going to take it one game at a time. 
you know, like, sure, yeah, he wasn't like, I wanted to play the Dodgers because they suck, but it's just, it's, it's rare for them to be like, hey, like, this is who we were rooting for. Like, this is who we wanted to play. You know, like, you know, if the, if the Red Sox had, like, win it in five, let's say, you know, and, and Atlanta and LA go six or seven games where they started later, so it'll be a couple days. Like the Red Sox will have time to like prep for where that. It's like, are they going to be like, yeah, we think we match up better against Atlanta. You know, the Dodgers are a better team, so we wanted to play the Braves. We rooting for the Braves. They aren't going to say that shit and you know publication. Like no one's going to give that ammunition. That this, oh yeah, this is who we wanted to play. You know, Freeman had like no hits before today in the series. I'm surprised no one brought it up. Like yeah, he wanted to play us. He was more worried about watching his kids' game than preparing for us. He was, yeah, he should have been more worried about, you know, playing better so Chris would have won the fantasy championship, but no. True, true. Freddie Freeman caring about that, did we? Yeah, all he cared about was uh, getting me that first-round pick. He's like, I'm sorry, we're not going anywhere. Let me get you your first-round pick back that you wasted on me. Yep. I was like, okay. I'll give Chris one good week where I'll hit for the cycle. Uh, Against know. the guy that traded traded me to him. You know, really give it to him, and then after that. I'm not doing anything. I'm taking well, the rest of the season It wasn't really like off. after that. It was most of the year great. Last week, shitty. At least for fantasy. True. Mm. Um. <clears throat> But yeah, so, but Seager, I'll take him. That's who I was pretty high you'll on. Take, you'll take anyone, Spanks. You'll take any shortstop that'll say hi to you, you know? <laughs> your yes, yes. Like, yeah. that You're will, just so that thirsty will, for a shortstop. Yeah, that'll physically greet me. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I'm pretty sure the Yankees are coming to st louis maybe in 2022 <laughs> maybe i thought they were just here no they were supposed to be here in 2020 but then COVID happened mm-hmm. yeah. Cardinals schedule 2022 but i regular feel season. like they oh that's where it was 14 weekend series at Bush Stadium. Yeah, August 5th through the 7th against the Yankees. Oh. Yeah. August 5th through the... Ooh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. So... So, yeah. So, if they get a shortstop, they'll say hi to me. That would be great, because I'm... I'm going to try to do green seats. I say you're doing green seats again? I'm going to try. I got to wait. Got to wait for them to go on sale. Um, I've never done green seats, so I feel like that's the time. I thought you did them last time they were here. No, they didn't come. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. They got canceled. <laughs> the, the world got shut down. The Yankees you, were like, we can't go to St. Louis. You had bought them. I did buy them, yes. And then I got, they got refunded. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So I'll I'll plan for that. 
but yeah so if they have a shortstop that'll greet me that would be cool um they also have two of their top three prospects are also shortstops though and volpe and peraza so it's like all right well do they invest in like a short term option to see where these guys fit or do they invest in an option where like they a guy could shift and it would be fine it's like i don't know how like seager would feel moving to second base you know so if if volpe and or praza end up being ready for 2023 and that's the route you want to go if you sign a shortstop you shift geo back to third you have torres at second initially and you can have lemay who play first every day you don't worry about going out and getting a first baseman or you sign a first baseman as well, move LeMahieu to second, and then um, you uh, you can look at dealing Torres if that's what comes down to it. Um, so it's like, all right, torn which which way to go or whatever. So it's like, is the solution though? You don't worry about a first baseman. You sign a shortstop. You, you move LeMahieu to first, shift Gio back to third, Torres play second. But if Volpe and Peraza or Volpe or Peraza end up being ready for 2023 to play shortstop, do you have a guy that you're like, okay, hey, are you cool with moving to second? And so I think at that point, that best option is Javi Baez, who has spent time as a second baseman with the Cubs, so you're like, hey, this is this is where we're gonna have you, um, and that's right, we're gonna go. Because I also think that what Bias offers that a lot of the other guys don't, maybe Simeon, if they go that route, is a bat at the top of the lineup, which the Yankees currently need. Because I am not a fan of Gallo batting in the three or four slot. I'd really like to see him move down to fifth, if not lower. Yep. Um, and they just need to take some pressure off of him because um, his strikeout rates are way too high. So I think having him in that in the middle of that lineup, it makes it really easy to give Judge and Stanton nothing to hit. So if like you're you're basically at a point that like you need Lemayhu to get on. So Judge and Stanton can do damage with guys on base if you're going to bat them 2-3. Um, so if you keep if you keep Judge up there, I guess maybe getting Hicks back, you could utilize Hicks in like the number two spot. So it's like LeMahieu, Hicks, Judge, Stanton, Gallo. Um, even then, if and I imagine you're wanting Gallo to hit fifth or sixth regardless if he even like hits remotely what he's capable of hitting which is like 230, 240 you know, um, yeah I mean I, I would expect him to be I would expect him to be more like 210, 220 um, on the high end because that's just kind of where he's at batting average wise much better than the 170 he did hit as a Yankee yeah um yeah, like I just want him down there in a situation where, you know, like the the heart of the lineups kind of come through. Like it just extends the lineup a little bit that uh, he's going to add a decent amount of pop from like that six hole. 
Um, if you do go with Hicks, you know, who should be back and be healthy, and you're looking at, like, LeMahieu, Hicks, Judge, Stanton, then I'm I'm cool with that being, like, a, a Seer or a Story, something along those lines. Um, you know, I, I also have no problem with, like, them, if they bring in a guy, like, I think Rizzo slotted really well in between Judge and Stanton. So if they do go that route, and you're like, okay, then having Judge bat second looks a little different for me with Rizzo being behind him, because um, I think Rizzo's relatively patient at the plate. Um, but having Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, I think they're going to continue to hit into a bunch of double plays because none of those guys are going to steal bases. Yeah. I mean, Judge is capable, but he's not going to steal... 15, 20 bags. Um, you know, and I think that that's like, LeMay, who's not going to be a big base dealer. So that's the other part of like a bias is it's a guy at the top of the lineup that can run. Um, you know, and, and I think that that was what made the Yankees dangerous when they went with like a more athletic team. And you had guys like, you know, um, Allen and Velasquez and you know these these younger guys that were willing to run, um, wanting to steal bases, um, putting themselves in scoring position on a single or a walk. <clears throat> so it wasn't you know the the Cardinals of the old where they needed you know three or four hits to put up multiple runs in an inning, you know, and it wasn't the Yankees of the old where you need a home run to score multiple runs. You know, you were able to guy walks or, you know, whatever gets on base, steal second, one base hit scores him. Um, you know, Tyler Wade stealing a bunch of bases um, in high leverage situations. That's when they were winning games. Same as the Cardinals. That's when they were winning games when that's what they were doing, when they were pushing the envelope and aggressive on the base pass and manufacturing runs the Yankees try to do that with no speed and no athleticism. And that's why they ran into so many outs. So just, you got to kind of find that happy medium. It'd be interesting to watch a Yankees team that, uh, you know, stole bases. Yeah, it would. Um, but that's where I like that. Like Cashman's already come out and said that shortstop, something that they need to address. I just don't know whether it's going to be short term and they're going to prepare for a future, um, having Volpe and Peraza kind of right there on the cusp. It's also a huge prospect piece that you could include in a deal. If you want to deal for a high end starter. Um, I don't really know who you would get in that aspect. Um, I would hope you'd go after like DeGrom level starter. If yeah. you're going to trade away your top prospect, but who knows? Yeah. Um, go go buy yourself a Robbie Ray, you know. Right. That that's where I'd rather Robbie them, Ray, you know. Yeah, that's where I'd rather see them be aggressive as in that free agency, like you know, bring in a, a Scherzer or a Ray or fuck like I really even I'd see them I'd take them bringing in like a Kershaw if the deal's right. Like if they're gonna give them twenty million, you know, or like you know, no. 
you know, 20, 25 million a year. No, I don't want that. But if they get like a, you know, like a Wayno-esque deal when he was kind of bouncing back, you know, 10 million plus incentives, like I, I would, I would be happy with that for Kershaw. Yep. And, or do you bring, bring a guy like Scherzer and protect your investment in Cole, you know, and let, you know, Scherzer mentor Cole as yeah, well. Yeah, that. Help him through some shit. That, that would be the other aspect. I also like if they were going to take a flyer on like a really cheap veteran, um, I wouldn't be mad about them. Like looking at Verlander, um, who granted hasn't pitched in like two years, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, they did the same shit with Kluber and Kluber looked great when he was on the mound. He just didn't stay on the mound. Um, and it was a little too expensive for my blood for that. Um, you know, they Tyon had surgery recently and it's like a five month recovery. So the expectations are he's not gonna be ready for spring training. So you're already kinda down an arm. You have Cole, you have Montgomery, you should have Severino back. Um you should have Herman back. And then you'll have Tyon at that point. So it's like you really only need probably one starter like if you could bring in one high-end starter because if you're just going to get like a filler guy you know like uh john lesser or um you know like uh what's i can't even think of his name uh like a james paxton you know someone at that caliber you're you're not doing yourself any favors like you're just giving yourself another option of another mediocre plus pitcher um so that's where I think that like a, a Scherzer or something like that, like he's like someone that could be your number one, your your one A one B to go along with Cole, um, that you have two guys that can really be a stopgap. And I don't know how much longer Scherzer will be looking to pitch, um, so you could maybe get away with like a two or three year deal. Because I want to say I think he's in like his late thirties, right? Yeah, got to be late thirties. Yep, 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 yep. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's 37, so. Which is why I said late 30s, dude. Yeah, yeah. He's new. I agree. Parents are Brad and Jane. Lovely people. Alex Scherzer, wishing he was Max Scherzer. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> um. Yeah, so it'll just be. So I I also like that aspect that like Boone situated because I feel like you can start to figure out like okay like where do we want to go what are we gonna do here's who we have I don't know because I know like football and hockey and basketball like they have like a time frame where it's like before you can start to talk to players yeah I don't know if that exists like if it's like November first. Or like the end of the World Series is when players technically hit free agency and you can start to negotiate with them and whatnot. Um, um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know with uh, players. I mean, I feel like some players, like you, I don't know, in baseball, like has anyone ever seeked permission for a trade? I guess they have. Yeah, now, I mean, if you're talking, if you're talking trades, I don't think it's, 
I don't think it's a big deal, but I, I, I feel like there's a window that like, cause you have to wait for players to like, maybe it's like for a player to option out or something like that. Like that they have a choice to make those decisions prior to like free agency starting. Um, so that way teams can't talk to other players first. Um, or something along those lines. So I, I feel like there's a date that has to be met. Um, when do players become free agents in MLB? I figure that's what it's going to tell me. It's like the service time. Free agency... Um, yeah, so teams have until five days after the World Series to extend a qualifying offer to their free agents. Well, um, which means you get draft picks back if they don't sign with you. Uh, correct. Right. If they if they decline it, yeah, you get compensation. Um, trying to see. Yeah, so, um, yeah, officially players become free agents the day after the conclusion of the World Series. However, they cannot sign with a new team until five days after the conclusion of the World Series. So while teams are able to reach out to player representatives, the five-day period serves as an exclusive window in which teams can retain their departing free agents. Quite often, this period, uh, this is a period with very little activity. Um, there you go. rest and relaxation cools world series we get five days off yeah trades involving players signed to major league contracts are prohibited from the trade deadline to the conclusion of the world series the trade market opens up again the day after the world series finale um options must be exercised within five days of the conclusion of the world series um an opt-out yeah so a negotiated contract provision in which a player can opt out of his remaining contract and become a free agent uh, opt-outs have become more commonplace in contracts in recent years and there are means for players to potentially cash in if they perform well in the initial years of a contract but it doesn't say when opt-outs need to be done um, option is potential extension to a player. Negotiate the time of the contract. If the option is not exercised, the player becomes a free agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here it is. So. Uh, when must the options be exercised within five days of the conclusion of the World Series? Everything happens within after five, five days. days yeah. Series. So <clears throat> yeah, that's what I figured. I thought I thought that there was like a window where you had to wait 
you know, so they, they can't really do anything. Um, but like they said, like you can, uh, for free agency, you know, they, you can't sign with anyone and they officially become free agents after the, you know, the day after the conclusion of the world series. So I don't know if teams have to wait, um, So yeah, so so the way I'm reading this is you can't talk to him at all until after the World Series and you can't talk because they aren't a free agent and you can't you can't you can't approach a player under contract with another team so they aren't out of contract until the end of the World Series even though their season's done and then they can't they can only talk to the representative when they're a free agent. They can't speak to a player until after that five-day window. Right. So. Just agent speak. Yep. <clears throat> but, yeah, so... It'll, it'll be nice that they can just focus on the betterment of the team, whereas the Cardinals have the rigmarole to figure out who's going to manage their team first, because I feel like that would be a potential blocker for a team that like for a player that you're trying to sign in free agency. Um, if they don't know who they're playing for. Yeah. I think that's why Mo said it, like it's going to be get done pretty quickly. Um, which you would have to mean, you know, they have a short list and they did just interview managers, not a couple years ago. So, right. Um, yeah. Other than that, I mean, the LCS is, going as it's going like i said braves blue lead tonight uh looks like the astros just tied it up in the eighth 2-2 in that series uh with boston leading 2-1 so i'm really rooting for like an atlanta versus houston world series because as much as i dislike houston i dislike boston more than everybody um so yeah sure. houston versus atlanta Atlanta winning the World Series. That's what I'm shooting for. Yeah, I'd take that. Um, I'd take that. I mean, it'd mean Freddie Freeman's definitely not coming to the Yankees. Actually, it might mean, <laughs> hey, I won one, so now, right, I now I'm going to get else. paid. Right. Yeah, so. <laughs> so we might. It might it help us chances. Case scenario. Um, I think it could also be a situation with, like, it might make, like, Walt Weiss a, a reasonable option for a manager of, like, Hey, like I just, we just got it done in Atlanta, you know, cause they've been close, but no cigar a handful of times here lately. You know, like I said like they were up three, one in the LCS against the Dodgers last year and blew that series lead. Um, something that Cardinals know a lot about. Cause I think they're the only team that's ever blown a three, one lead twice. Um, what a stat. Yeah. I just, I know it because people, when I say people, I mean Amos. Bring up the Yankees <laughs> losing a three-zero series to the Red Sox. So I'm like, yeah, hey, we did do that, but we've only done it once. Your team has lost three-one twice. Um. <clears throat> but yeah, so then I guess real quick. Um, survivor pick'em. You took 
took the Green Bay Packers to beat the Bears last week. And that and was that successful, right? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a successful pick. Uh, Survivor League, where lowest point goes home. You, you stayed in. Uh, last man standing, I, I did stay in, had a big week. Um, had two quarterbacks on by, but we picked up Cole Beasley, um, put him in that offensive player position, and we were, you know, scored over 100 points, which is pretty good in that league. So, so what are so how how many guys is it down to now? And that what was this week well, six? Um, yeah, we're going into week seven, and it was 18 guys, right? Yeah. Cool. So, hey, third of the way home. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, I still think I'll be in it for a while. I think I'm going to be probably a little bit more active on the waiver wire this week with uh, whatever team dropped players. I could maybe use an upgrade at the quarterback position. I have I have great running backs, but one of them's hurt. So, like, I'm going to have to figure that out here pretty soon as bye weeks roll up. Uh, and, yeah, so just hanging in there. And then the, the money league, you took a, a pretty tough loss, right? Well, it was two weeks ago, but this week um, I was top point scorer oh. um, and uh, right back on track. I am now the uh, total overall points leader um, in the league. I think I'm tied for first place. Sounds familiar. We're in a solid second. Yeah, you know, this is just how fantasy works for me, Spags. I'm like the, I'm like the blues, you know? Always just, in it in a regular season. Just making the playoffs like nobody's business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, so I'm in a solid second uh, because first place is 5-1. and one, But the team that is 5-1 is the same team that beat me week one um, by less than a point. You know? And you're 4-2. So, and and I'm 4-2, and two, yeah. So. But, yeah, so overall, fantasy is going pretty well. I did take a tough loss two weeks ago, um, but that's going to happen. I should, I would think, um, I think my wide receivers are good enough now. I have a good quarterback that uh, I should be pretty much every week contending for a top point scorer. So we'll see. Well, nice. And then... I think it's my second or third week already in the year with top point scoring in the league. So. Nice. Yeah. I'm glad to hear everything's going good. Um we didn't do any betting this week, so nothing to, no. nothing to talk about there. At least I did, and I don't know if you yeah. did or not. I'm sure. I no, have not done any betting yet. Um, uh, where I think I'm going back to the sports book on the 29th. Nice. Is that a Friday, right? Um, is it a Friday? I believe so. Yeah, it's a Friday. Um, so might do some more betting there. Maybe oh maybe the blues play that day. Maybe I get a blues bet in. Um, I don't believe they maybe do. Yeah, Monday. Yeah. Maybe I'll place a blues bet for like a Saturday game. They do play on that Saturday against the Blackhawks. Maybe I'll make a blues bet for the Monday game that we're going to. Um yeah, that would be the twenty fifth. That's what I'm saying. So blues have played two. Um big wins. One them both. Um, third period has looked a little shaky in both games, uh, but they got the job done. Beat Colorado, beat Arizona. Uh, they play Vegas tomorrow night, which is their last game on the road before they're home on Saturday, I think. Man, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they have. Maybe they play L.A. on the road and then play L.A. at home. Maybe that's 
Maybe that's how it works. So maybe they have two more games. Uh, I'm going to go look. Play the vague Golden Knights tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow night. And then... Uh, no, so they have back-to-back home games against L.A. That's what I knew we played them back-to-back, but I didn't know they were both at home. So <clears throat> home opener is Saturday the 23rd, which I'll be going with, uh, going to the game with my brother. Um, and then you and I will be going to the game on the 25th. Um, and then they play Colorado again on the 28th. Um, and then they play the Blackhawks on the 30th. So see, hopefully can be, uh, be in a good spot. Um, Colorado was down quite a few people when we played them. They had like six guys out due to injury suspensions and COVID protocol. Um, but it'll be all right. They, uh, you know, have a, have a chance to pick up some, some points early here. Uh, LA isn't expected to be anything that great. So, um, get some get some wins there um and chicago hasn't won yet this year they're oh three and one so <clears throat> if they can just That's handle business against vegas stuff. and colorado they could they could be off to a pretty hot start for october the blackhawks suck so yeah. only steve Perry is a huge fan of that team so. <laughs> true true um but yeah, I think that's all we got on the agenda. Um, now I guess we'll we'll see what happens. We'll play it by ear on whether or not we record next week. Um, yeah, we have the Blues game. The interleague's right. taking a Blues game break. Yeah, so we'll so it definitely won't be Monday that we record. We might record next Tuesday as well. Um, I want to say I guess we'll be. Like the main thing would be were um what if needed game seven for the NL would be the twenty fourth. Um and it'd be the twenty third for Boston and Houston. So I mean we'll have the World Series starting um on the twenty sixth, that's game one. So I I would say worst case scenario, we'll definitely be back recording on the first, which would be like in time for the last little part of the World Series. But we'll see. It just depends. But keep everyone posted. You know, the five listeners that we have. Yeah, you know, we'll be here for your your listening pleasure. Yeah. One of those days. Um. But cool, yeah. I think that does it. I think that wraps it up. All right, wrap. Well, barring any philosophical differences that Spax and I may have over the, uh, yeah, the next we'll, week or so, and we'll be back for uh, episode seventy-three at some point mm-hmm. in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, but until next time, stay cool. Bye. Bye.